Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to like, follow, rate, and review the show on every podcast platform there is. Blueberry, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, Podbay, all of those. You can also stream the website, stream the episodes on the website <laughs> every the time. Website. Stream the episodes on the website, abouttreview.com. You can also see full show notes uh, and links to the guests. Make sure to follow it on social media as well. At About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, go to youtube.com slash about to review and about to review dot threadless dot com. Whoo. Okay, I can breathe now. I just kind of breeze through that in like 10 seconds. Uh, on today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about two new movies and two new TV shows. So a little combination episode. Uh, the movies are going to be Den of Thieves and the third of the Maze Runner and the last of the Maze Runner films, Maze Runner, The Death Cure. And then the two new TV shows are going to be Black Lightning and The Alienist. My guest for this week is a returning guest and fan favorite, Tim Hall, the People's Critic. Yeah, thank you. Good to be back. I cannot wait to stream your website. It sounds <laughs> sounds exciting. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, you can stream yeah. the website. It stream is. It. Molto bene. <laughs> Where do I stream the website from? <laughs> uh, Podbay, Podbean, <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, yeah. There we go. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I My friend Lisa asked me why I was a fan favorite. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't have nothing to tell her. Um, I mean, I could go over the list. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, let me just pull that up. <laughs> type, 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 type. <laughs> no, you're absolutely a fan favorite. Uh, Every time you were on, I get some great feedback. So, And you good. have easily been on more than any other guest. Yeah. Because uh, I don't have a life. But, <laughs> you know. Uh, this is episode 92. Wow. Are you going to do something special for your 100th episode? I have been trying to figure out what it is, but yes. <laughs> you should interview a, a sex bot. The new ones. <laughs> the, they, the, they talk. I saw an interview. That was the, on Desus and Marrow. <laughs> I was almost on the floor laughing uh, at the latest. Did you see that clip? Did I send it to you? With the guy, one? the guy's got a bot that's living with him. Ugh, and and his just family. Like, have you seen that clip? I it's think like an so. old interview. Yeah, yeah. The end of the clip. The one he has him. a few of them? No, he's the... got one. Okay. I it's have... like his girlfriend that lives with him. And of dad. course. <laughs> and at the end of the clip, it's like the bot has its tongue sticking out of his mouth. Ooh. And his dad is like, hey, I'm leaving. He's like, yeah, we get the house to ourselves. <laughs> I, listen, I, I saw that at work. Ugh. I laughed so loud in my office. It just. Oh, okay, and I'm not shaming anybody. Uh, Go ahead. No, no king shaming. What is crazy, though, is I would rather that person, male or female, whoever, yeah. has that doll that they spent two to $5,000 on or whatever. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but I would prefer that than a skin suit in the basement. True. So, <laughs> weigh out those costs and benefits. But uh, does the bot lead to the skin suit? No, because I think the bot will curb those appetites. I have no idea. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so, so do you take it to Geek Squad if it's broken? You just show up at Geek, <laughs> you show up at Geek Squad with a bot and just <laughs> throw it on the counter? She's hey, broken. Hey, this is, uh, I think it's got a bug in it. I don't know. Right. Uh, not, the Wi-Fi is off. But then the nerd takes in the back to you with a firmware update. <laughs> yeah, see? Th- um, these are the things we have to think about. And Skynet. Yeah. Every time, okay, so not only, like, sex bots are sex bots, whatever. All of the stuff they're doing, like Boston Dynamics yeah, with those robots. Yeah, that's scary. Oh, boy. Like, like Scott- how could you watch Terminator and then do this? Right? How? I don't understand. One of the funniest videos, and I know I'm sure I've sent it to you, um, as of when they were doing like basically the crash tests. Yeah. With the, the robot. Them down. Now you know, and there there's a guy who did like a voiceover for it. Mm-hmm. 
it is one of the funniest things because this robot like picks up a box and this guy with a hockey stick <laughs> knocks the box out of him and he was like oh, okay rob he was like okay i and he does it again he yeah. was like not funny anymore <laughs> yeah and i was like we mm-mm. you see that one with the, the robot shooting guns yes yeah why would you do that why would you put guns <laughs> in the hands of a, of a robot it was like the viral marketing for war for the planet of the apes yeah. or no for battle of the planet of the apes when it showed um a chimpanzee with an AK-47 oh, yeah. and people are like oh, they really filmed that blob and it was like so the, that was, oh, that, we start shooting the humans right <laughs> yeah. so I was like that was wet of workshops granted it, it yeah. could happen anyway so for episode 100 uh, I'm sure you I haven't thought about up, it yet oh no I've been spending like months thinking about it it just okay. I need to figure out what to do uh, although John I know you <laughs> don't overthink it I know don't I, overthink it not even joking four months ago don't overthink like, it I put it in my phone anyway uh, but with the last episode of About to Interview, yeah. last week with Adam Schleichhorn, that was episode 10 of About to Interview. So technically, I have produced 102 episodes of this crazy experiment. It is it is yeah. madness. All right. So 100th episode. We'll look for it in a couple weeks. Yeah. That's going to drop in February. Is that going to be Black uh, Panther time? No, no. Black Panther doesn't coincide with your 100th episode? Uh, let me, because I, I put it in my phone. Uh, the 100th episode of About to Review will be on uh, March 28th. Oh, wow, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, March 28th. Yeah, March 28th. I am planning <laughs> some stuff uh, for February for Black History Month for About to Interview. I'm lining up some really cool guests, so keep your ears out for that. Okay. Uh, yeah, so those two movies and those two TV shows are what we're going to talk about. But before I get into that, going into the original theme song produced by Damian Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. We are back, back in effect. Now that Jess had her sixty-second dance break, <laughs> uh, Jess O'Brien of the Curly Nerd Podcast loves that theme song. A lot of people do. I get some great feedback on that as well. It's a great theme song. She hit us up the other day. She was like, as she started listening to the episode, she had to stop herself from dancing on the train. Yeah. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, okay. So right out of the gate, first movie. First movie. <laughs> uh, so I will introduce this one, and then you can introduce uh, Maze Runner because. Well, you know more about Maze Runner I know, than I do. Way too much about Maze Runner. <clears throat> so, Denim Thieves. Uh, one of our colleagues uh, described it as the crappy version of Heat that he never knew he wanted. So, Brent? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, me, me and Brent, uh, shout out to Brent McKnight. Mm-hmm. We were both very excited when this trailer dropped. I know you were. We were like, oh, this is the kind of trashy movie that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that we are actually screening because Geostorm. Is another is another trashy one that we really like. Gerard but they were like, oh, no critics. Uh. So Gerard Butler box is gonna be very interesting. <laughs> it's gonna have three hundred and Exodus Gods yeah. and Kings and a bunch of other. Gerard stuff Butler, man, he is. Where did he go wrong? A gamer, maybe. Well, he did Olympus has fallen after that, which was, I enjoy. I enjoy him. I think Gamer was the one Before where that. that was where he was like. I'll take any action movie you want because he had already done his like spout of romantic comedies. Yeah, that, uh, that's stupid. Uh, with Katherine Heigl, yeah. he did one. So I think after that, he was like, 
All right, fine, whatever. Gotcha. Right. So Den of Thieves uh, stars Gerard Butler, which, I mean, he is the big draw. He is the big draw. Uh, Pablo Schreiber in, I think, his biggest movie role, yeah. for sure. Like, he is a character actor. You have seen him on TV. Right. Uh, he was on American Gods American recently. Gods. Yeah. Uh, local Kid, mm-hmm. uh, Pablo Schreiber. 50 Cent, O'Shea Jackson Jr., a.k.a. Baby Ice Cube. Yeah. And a bunch of other character actors <laughs> you've seen in other stuff before. Yeah. And this group, led by Pablo Schreiber, wants to rob the Federal Reserve. <laughs> Which, if the, if you listened to a couple weeks ago when Tim yeah, was on... It's ridiculous. We talked about this. This is the Federal Reserve. This is not the regular bank. And they open with this actually like pretty cool shot of like a helicopter shot, a uh, night shot, empty Las Vegas kind of highway. LA. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, Las Vegas, uh, LA. And it comes up with those title screens. Like it lasted a little I, too long. I don't know if those stats are real. I, they I cannot like, be real. Are those stats are real? But it was like in this city, 3000 bank robberies happen a year. And it was like, all right, cool. And then it was like, that's X amount per month. And we we're like, all right, that's X amount per day. That's 48 every 48 minutes. And it was like, okay, like they break it down. Yeah. <laughs> they take three like, minutes okay. of the movie. Okay, guys. <laughs> So we're like, all right, fine, whatever. Okay, before we get into this plot, the truth is uh, an actual bank robbery looks more like some guys behind a computer and not people strong-arming a bank. These days. These days. Right. Like, no one, who's doing that? And that's just not exciting <laughs> film, watching nerds at a laptop hacking someone's credit card system at Target. Right. And selling, and se- or selling someone's fake IDs. Like, that's not exciting. Uh, so you, you need excitement, so you go with the old school Bank robbery. And then LA, you know, years ago had that. You can find the clip on YouTube. Those armored guys who showed up to rob the bank and they had that shootout with the LAPD. Mm-hmm. Those dudes had all that armored, those high power weapons and armored guns. And yeah. we've since seen that play out in movies since then. A he, million times. All these other movies have played out the same scenario. And this is much of the same. You get a specialized group of police who operate outside the law to get the job done, right. led by Big Nick, played uh, by Gerard Butler, Butler and his, his cronies. Who are just as criminal, right? The movie tried to say these these cops are just as bad as the bad guys, and he even tells them that at one point he says we're the bad guys. Yeah, at one point during the interview, uh, and you see part of this in the trailer. So again, not spoiling yeah. anything. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. You know, gets kind of taken by uh, the regulators. Yeah, which is but the they, group they work led, for led LA County Sheriff's. Yeah. They're the they're the major, crime, they're the major crimes division. And so they they bring him into this yeah. like seedy hotel room with just. A bunch of ladies, bunch of alcohol, whatever. And he was like, see this tattoo? And he rolls up his sleeve. Because before this, the viral marketing for it, yeah, it was like, pick your side. Hashtag DOT regulators, which are the cops, or DOT outlaws, which is Pablo Schreiber's group. We never once hear the bad guys referred to as outlaws. Yeah, I mean, through context clues, yeah. yes, they're outlaws. The regulators part is one scene when Gerard Butler looks at O'Shea Jackson Jr. and is like, See this? Pulls up his sleeve and he has a tattoo, like a terrible tattoo. Right. That says regulators under. And he was like, "You're not the bad guys. We're the bad guys." Yeah. So there's that, and but also <laughs> like, they're up against highly trained, skilled thieves. Yeah, like who, the outlaws who have been are robbing banks for years, and so they're you, all, all ex special forces. Yeah. So, so these guys are skilled. So mm-hmm. you've got one skilled group against another skilled group. And the criminals are trying to do an, the impossible heist. This is something we've seen in theater and movies since I can remember, mm-hmm. right? Whether it be freaking, you know, Point Break, 
Like, right? you know what? You got a skilled group of people, and O'Shea Jackson Jr., who plays Donnie, is the new guy. He's the new wheelman. Mm-hmm. So he shows up, and he he's the guy. He gets pinched between the police and mm-hmm. the thieves. Um, and it, they don't hide the fact that they know that he's being interrogated. So that's out front in the movie. And that, that, that was, being... was kind of clever. It's clever. Because it was like, okay, everybody knows each other now. Yeah. Like, in there's a scene in this Japanese restaurant where it was like, okay. Yeah. Like, before, because before that, we see the totally cliche. We see the cops with the big cork board and the pictures with lines drawn of like, all right, who's the head of this organization? Oh, that's my favorite. And I love you, that. And then you see the bad guys being like, all right, we did surveillance. These are the quote unquote good guys. And it, they did a clever thing, which they made them all meet yeah. in this Japanese restaurant. But they, they do like, that dumb thing at the end of the movie without spoiling it. It was like Gerard Butler staring at a court board of pictures and it all some, somehow comes together for him. Yeah. They do, this is, it has all the action <laughs> movie cliches. It's oh, got absolutely. the shooting range. Mm-hmm. It's got the ridiculous strip club scene. It's got, 100% unnecessary. Yeah. It's got the normalizing showing the family of the criminals. It's got the normalizing of the outlaw, the outlaw or the, the the cops. The cops. Yeah. Gerard Butler and his family. His family's breaking apart because he's a terrible human being. That's the other thing. He's a terrible person. Yeah. They go out of their way to be like, this guy is kind of trash, mm-hmm. but he's he's like an antihero in a sense. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it has the big shootout as a finale. Mm-hmm. And then it's got the whole, here's how we do it. And they show how it gets done. Like, right. It's got all the all the tropes you need for an action movie. Yeah. And it was it was so, it was directed, uh, Christian Gudegast. 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 Directed well. It actually, I was well paid. I was pretty surprised, mainly because. it's long. <laughs> his previous films. Uh, I mean, he, he loves Gerard Butler because he did London Has Fallen. He did the screenplay for that. Yeah. But this was his first directing job. It was well done. For I mean, like to direct an action movie of this caliber as your first time out the gate, even though, I mean, as a writer, he has been around these things. I got to say I was impressed. Yeah, because he was able, I mean, even though we, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward, the movie <laughs> itself, but he was able to create tension with the robbery, the last final you know, mm-hmm. Robert Heist that's held at the the um what's that place called? The with the what the, the last the last one, yeah. The last big one that's like on the highway? The, the, the Federal Reserve one. Oh. So the actual Federal Reserve oh, right, right. part is tense and then you know what it's gonna lead to. And even that's tense in mm-hmm. a movie where we know what's coming. So I think uh, big credit to him to you know, it's hard to to do a movie that's doesn't have a bunch of twists as it's happening. Right. The twist in this movie comes at the end. At the very end. <laughs> that makes you rethink everything you've seen. But the, as it's happening, you're pretty much just watching a straightforward action film. And he, mm-hmm. he builds tension and pacing and action and fear and doubt into mm-hmm. what's happening well for a movie that you you see. I mean, we see all of it coming. Nothing is a surprise. No. And then, and to, to its credit, yeah. even though it has all those cliches, it does well with them. It's we, fun. Ha- we have seen cliche movies where it's like, okay, that was just terrible because all they were trying to do is check off the boxes. Yeah. This one, another really cool shot that I liked is in this big gun battle scene that takes place. Like, it is a 10 minute sequence. It's a long sequence. It is a long sequence. And it was one of the scenes in the film that was long, but it made sense. Yeah. There were parts of this film, I mean, this is over two hours. Yep. The commuter that we talked about a couple weeks ago was 95 minutes. <laughs> right. And even that was like, with commercial breaks, that is yeah. going to be about 80 minutes. Wow. This is over two hours, a little bit bloated, but this gunplay scene on a highway, 
super tense, really well shot. There was an overhead shot that kind of like swooped in and slowed down. We can see both, you know, groups kind of coming together. Yeah. Like there were some really nice touches in this completely generic, generic heist movie. Over the top. Gerard Butler, <laughs> his so whole his whole like wife and daughters. Why are they in the film? I, I think like, to show that he's not a good person. But we already knew them. <laughs> like we, I mean, okay, another so we, example of when we of first why. meet him, he shows up at the at the scene of a crime when our group has just boosted. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we find out is an empty empty armored, armored car, car and right. killed a couple cops. Killed a couple cops. Mm-hmm. Left everyone else alive. And he eats a donut on the crime Ugh. scene that one of the on cops the, on the ground. He's got like blood on the donut box. He like opens it and eats a donut. So <laughs> he looks like he's got this nasty hungover beard. Mm-hmm. He looks like crap. And he has this dynamic with an FBI agent who shows up. And they're, so they're, they're having a back and forth. And so I think his then he goes home to his family. You realize what's happen, happening with him and his wife and his kids. And then there's that scene when he shows up on the double date, which is completely unnecessary. Yeah. Has nothing to the plot. Nope. But you get to see Big Nick being crazy. Mm-hmm. And that scene, and at the end of the scene, all, to me, that whole scene is ridiculous. But the payoff is when he asks for a hug at the end of the scene. That's It's hilarious. <laughs> and all, and it was one of those it's moments. so where, funny. As it was funny, like, it was still kind of that, like, what is he It gonna, felt like a stand-up routine. Do? Like, what are you doing? And at the end, you're like, oh, this is funny. Yeah, and then it just it cuts. It's like someone thought this is hilarious. Even the scene where where Fifty Cent and there's a that you can find this clip on YouTube where Fifty Cent's daughter is getting I mean, ready it for is prom. Will Smith, Bad Boys yeah. Two. It's funny. It's adds nothing to the plot. No. but it's funny. It is funny. But as as soon as it happens, as soon as you see the daughter getting yeah. ready, I was like, okay, this yeah. is Bad Boys. This too. is like Bad Boys Two, which that scene. One Classic. of my favorite moments yeah. in film. But still funny, but fun, but add some levity in, into a, because you know, people get shot, people die, yeah. it's, it's dangerous. Oh, a lot of people, like, a lot of people get shot. Man, there is some collateral damage in this film that yeah. never gets touched on. No, gosh, never. When they're like, this, you know, when they got to a couple different news clips during the film, not one of them was like, and bystanders were in harm. You know, <laughs> just like, I, I would have cut a couple of scenes at least down a little bit. Um, to I wanted to see the heist from a different vantage point. Yeah, at the end. Oh, for sure. That would have been dope. That's that Ocean's Eleven stuff that they do well. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, I thought I was seeing something, but I was actually seeing something else. Like I would have loved to see all. They do a bit of it, a little bit, a bit. But like, I want to just let's watch the sequence again. Was it just, Ocean's Twelve or Thirteen when the Fox or whatever? Yeah, the Fox second one. Second one, when he was like, I got your diamonds. They're like, we've been watching you the whole time yeah, you've been and they watching go us. back and show it. Super clever. Yeah. It, yeah. Something like that would have been nice in this yeah. as opposed to just good, quote unquote, good guys, quote unquote, bad guys. You, you know, it's funny you say that. You know what heist movie did I love? The, Ooh. the score. With, with uh, Rob De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun movie. I watched it a couple weeks ago. It's really I should fun. go back to I've yeah. not seen that in. It's him and Edward Norton. Mm-hmm. And Edward Norton is, is pretending to be this mentally sort of delayed guy who works at this bank. And there's like this jewel that's there. Mm-hmm. So he works with Robert De Niro for the score uh, that's going to set them up for, for money. And Robert De Niro is pretty much, he's a thief, but he owns like a nightclub, a jazz club, mm-hmm. like overseas. The ending is fantastic. The ending is great. Okay. The ending is, the ending is great. Yeah. We will not, I, I, we will not spoil it. That's, but the ending is great. If you've never seen the score, High go watch it. It's, okay. It, it moves really quickly. It's fun. It's one of my favorite De Niro performances and also one of my favorite, you know, just heist movies mm-hmm. that's got, got some bite to it. So, yeah, 
check that out. And that, it's one of those movies where not a lot of people get hurt because a lot of these heist movies are like big shootouts and gunplay. Yeah. And but this is like none of that. It's like how can we outsmart each other? How can we okay outthink the other person and get this this jewel we want? I like it. Uh, so yeah, Pablo Schreiber. He was solid. Mm-hmm. I think he played this character really well. Yeah. Uh, this yeah, was a, he, he was solid. It's kind of a lead in this. Yeah. I mean, and, and he was very stoic, which again, a lot of Pablo's stuff, you yeah. see him kind of be a little bit out there. Yeah. This, he was like, man, nope. a few words. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think that played to his strengths. Like he also, he had a presence too, that I think is important for that kind of role. He I forget how presence. big he is. Yeah. The dude is big. He's a big dude. Like he stands next to 50 cent. And 50 Cent, I mean, granted, is not very tall, but wide. Yeah. Pablo Schreiber is a big dude. Yeah. I was like, okay. 50, a solid actor. Why was he in this? Uh, not, not why was he in this, but like, he has total screen time with dialogue, like meaningful dialogue, 10 minutes. <laughs> but the 50s, like, Pablo's right-hand man. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense his, in the context of the film. Yeah, it, just, like, it was yeah, interesting. That's your, that's your, that's your man. Uh, 50 he, doesn't say like none of these guys say much yeah. Donnie's the only character who's part of the outlaws who actually gets to be funny has some some things mm-hmm. to say everyone else is pretty much like what's the mission what are we doing yeah. what do we do wrong what do we do right but but Donnie gets a chance to sort of flex his muscles and I it reminded me that O'Shea Jackson Jr. is actually pretty solid like he's he not just good at playing his dad like yeah. he can play a character and be well and show some ranges of emotion I, I really want him as Batman like I don't know why O'Shea Jackson Jr. I want him to play Batman. As Batman. Yeah. What? I do. You have lost your mind. I have. <laughs> like that is I do. Not Army Hammer. Nope. Or any, okay. I think if you bulk him up, you put him in you, you put him on that fifty cent routine, I think he could I, first of all, I know he can pull off the Bruce Wayne bit. He, I think he can do the yeah. Batman stuff. I think he can be O'Shea an action, Jackson Jr. I think he can be an action star. And I'm not kidding. I could see I could see him as an action star because I think that Yeah, I mean I could see him as an action star for for real, for real. Okay. But not a Batman. You, I think you, he can you have be lost Batman. I'm not kidding. I think he can be Batman. I'm not. People are listening, listening to this and they're mm-hmm. laughing. I legitimately <laughs> think he can be Batman. Okay. Uh, so I'm starting that campaign. O'Shea for Batman. Let's you, do it. You go right ahead. I mean, uh, you, if you reset the universe with Flashpoint, why not bring uh, him in as Batman? <laughs> oh, do you see? We will get into that when we talk about I Black mean, Lightning. You know, a black Batman would be dope. It would be. Uh there is a black superman after they relaunched with new 52 i'm trying to think in all of my comics i'm not sure if there has ever been a black no, batman because he's no uh, i would have to think about that but anyway okay so den of thieves in yeah. theaters now action heist movie the official rating system for this podcast that i explain every time because just like the great stan lee always says every comic book is somebody's first comic book if this is your first time listening there are three choices when it comes to grading things. No stars, no letter grades, none of that. Oh, gosh. Three choices. Good, bad, or ugly. A good film was something that you walk out of, you liked, you would recommend to a friend, it, you know, satisfied you in some way. A bad, you leave and you're like, meh. It, it did not really do anything and it would not be something you immediately recommend. Ugly, avoid at all costs. So for Den of Thieves, starring... 50 Cent, Gerard Butler, Pablo Schreiber, and a bunch of character actors that you will recognize in O'Shea Jackson Jr., who is not never going to play O'Shea Batman. O'Shea for Batman. Uh, Tim Hall, People's Critic, what do you give this film? I would give it a good. I think it's it's ridiculous and it has all the tropes, <laughs> but it's fun in a way that I think it's supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that if you go see it as a matinee, you won't be disappointed. It's also a movie that if you're someone who sees 10 to 12 movies a year, maybe you don't see all the tropes that we see. 
Maybe you don't pick up on right. any of that, and it feels way more original than it should be. Um, and <laughs> yeah. the twist probably surprises you. Right. So you'll, you'll probably walk out and be like, yo, Dinner Thieves was fire. We're not going to say that. <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. If you watch it at home, you're going to be fine. You're not going to mm-hmm. hate it. It, it. And it's funny. For a movie that's as long as it is, it keeps your attention the entire time. Okay. Yeah. For me, it. I agree with a lot of what you said, and I think you said something also just real quick, and you're like, if you watch it at home, you'll enjoy it. This one kind of wavered between bad and good for me only because I just have a hard, like $15, even a matinee. There are some big screen moments. Yeah. But not, not enough to really kind of get you out of your seat and, you know, go out there. This is something you could easily wait for Netflix for. Oh, that's so doubt about that, but I did enjoy it. Uh, the acting was surprisingly solid. Surprisingly. Uh, there were actually, there were, not just one, but two UFC fighters yeah. in this film. For one, one of them was at the end. Uh, Brent one, was talking about it. Yeah, one of them yeah. was at the end, and then Max Holloway, yeah. uh, the current lightweight champion, uh, or feather, uh, he fluctuated. Anyway, lightweight champion was in the beginning, and I was like, okay. I mean, hey, here's the thing for MMA fighters. Diversify. Get your coin. Diversify. Like, There's a reason that GSP did some movies. He did Captain America. He will be getting residual checked as Batrock the Leaper the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think my final grade, I mean I'm going to give it a, a bad Oh, look at you turning on Osho <laughs> Jackson Jr. First of all, you can't be Batman now. But, you hate it. Now you hate his Oh, movie. right, right. But it, I mean it definitely is a is a high bad because it just is a little bit too long, a little bit bloated, uh, but it easily could have been good. And I think you watch it at home. Like you said, people are going to enjoy this film. Yes. So people are going to enjoy. It. People won't walk out being like, hey, they hated it. No. People will say it was generic. <laughs> yeah. Man, I've seen it before, or I loved it. But people aren't going to walk out and say this movie is trash. Yeah. So Not I will give it a bad, but at the same time, it was it was a decent film. Had some really cool stuff in it. Very well made. All right. So <laughs> next film. Next Maze film. Runner, The Death Cure. Full disclosure. Full disclosure from John. <laughs> Who knew we were watching this weeks ago? I did. For those who do not follow me on social media, first of all, why you're listening to this, this is now super awkward. Uh, I went into Maze Runner. I had the two previous films. Uh, I have a digital copy, so I was like, all right, going to watch those because I missed the screenings for both of them uh, when they came out a couple years ago. Going to watch those to prepare for the last one of the film franchise. I did not. We told you. Uh, we I told know. you to watch the first one, and we said, "Listen, you can just YouTube a review for the second <laughs> right. one that, that fills you in, or watch like, yeah, you know." Re- somebody said, "Like, read the Wikipedia page." You're yeah, fine. it's a zombie movie that they chase through the scorch, and they're trying to find Thomas and his friends. Yeah, but there's context that these two films give that yeah. you miss in the third. Completely miss. So I still had not seen the first two films. <laughs> I well, saw I the mean, third one. I would recommend just watching the first one. Okay, it's it's legitimately. At the end, the last five minutes, they do the, like, we're setting up a franchise thing. But the first movie kind of... In the first movie. In the first movie. It kind of is its own sort of... Contained thing. A very contained story about kids in a maze. Okay. So, you go ahead and explain... uh, First of all, the franchise, because, again, I really did not know that much about it. Well, it's been on hold because, you know, Dylan O'Brien got injured doing the stunt, which I think the movie opens with, which is... I was wondering... The car stunt with the train. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he got injured. He was like, you know, hooked up to a bunch of machines. I mean, it was it was bad. It was bad. Real bad. He shouldn't have stole that thing from the 
Mm. Shouldn't have did that. <laughs> Shouldn't have taken something from Indian Bale Ground. Here's like it, I watched well, enough Brady Bunch <laughs> to know that. Well, that or just like whatever belief system you have. Holy, holy places, yeah. sacred places. Even Stay if it away. is not something you agree with, yeah, just yeah. be respectful. Yeah, is what it comes down to. I remember going to this temple in in, in this Buddhist temple in Vietnam and being like, mm. you know what, I'm not going. I'm, I don't want to disrespect this place. Let me just stand outside and I can <laughs> peer inside. There's all these shoes outside. I have a photo of it too. I'll show you. It's the tons of shoes outside this temple. Uh, people are I don't want to disrespect them. They're in there praying. Like I'll chill. This is, I'm here to take some photos and get out. It's Italy, same yeah, thing. Same thing. What like walking around Italy? Where if you push down a brick at some point, somebody's going to be like, <gasps> "That brick was there." <laughs> I know the second century. Like, no, oh don't man. Don't do that. Uh, anyway. So anyway, Maze Runner: The Death Cure is the third film of the right. Maze Runner franchise. Um, it stars Dylan O'Brien, Barry Peppers in this movie. Who am I missing? Who else? Uh, John Carlo Esposito's in John Carlo, he was great. He's great. He in, is he in all of them? He's in the second one. Starts, okay. He shows up in the second movie. Because um, the first movie is just about them in this maze. So, okay. It's just, it's, just, it's, pretty, it's, just, it's essentially Thomas and his friends. Um, so, Hunger Games. Yeah. Like, is it? No. So, it is a bunch of kids. And, and yes, I'm well, Hunger, gen- Hunger generalizing Games, for why. Hunger YA. Games is a much more expansive world from the beginning. Okay. It's all of these districts, and then we meet Katniss, and we learn about the games. Like the games don't come into play until the second half of the movie. Right, she pops up in that crazy sequence. With so all Maze Runner is it's pop. It opens with the maze. Okay, then you learn what's happening, and but the entire context of the film takes place inside this maze, and then they try to escape the maze, and it sort of expands the world a little more. And that doesn't happen until the end of the film. But and so why? And these are all things. That, and please ask questions. And these and you know and we're not spoiling anything. So the reason, and I found this out yeah. the night of this movie. So there is a, a plague. It's a plague. A virus that is... The wipes people angry. Okay. Yeah. Basically, like 28 days later, trend to Busan style. Yeah. Turn t- type of zombies, and they call it the scourge or something or something. Okay. But these kit, th- this maze is yeah. set to find out if the kids have an antibody. Or so like- these kids are immune. Okay. So they put and they have no idea why. They have no idea why. Okay. They put these kids in this maze, and they, you see some of this in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, with, when they have their friend, they go to get their friend, and he's locked up by Wicked. So Wicked is this group, and they're trying. They're using like whatever chemicals come from these kids being afraid, and mm-hmm. and as a temporary cure, yeah, as whatever whatever that produces, they're they're hoping that the cure is in that. So that's it's in their blood. So they, so it's an experiment to see if they can find the cure. Gotcha. That is what the maze itself. That's what the maze itself was. was for. Okay. So then, so obviously, the second movie, they when break they, out. When they escape, mm-hmm. they realize that Wicked, these people save them, and they realize that Wicked is behind us. They end up in the, they end up in this home with a bunch of other kids, hmm. and they real and then Thomas quickly realizes that they're taking these kids in there, they're using them, and okay. essentially killing them to try to find a cure. So him and his crew escape, but they have to escape out into the scorch. Which is a ruined world, and they're having to fend on their own. Because at this point, they're being chased by the infected, which uh, is like zombies. Then they run into Giancarlo Esposito and his daughter, who you meet in his group, and she's been bitten. Um, so they're waiting for her to turn, but she gets Thomas's blood, and mm-hmm. that's. And then at the end of the film, the girl who's with them gets taken by Wicked. A couple other people get murdered. And so the girl who is in this movie, yes. So the there's doc- a girl in the this doctor movie. girl. Yeah, she was. Was she in the first? She's in the first second? movie. She's, she's the only girl who shows up in the maze. It's all boys. It's the only girl that pops up. Okay. But you realize that her and Thomas have had a, a history and they once, you know, 
were in, which we find now the last city. Because they make <laughs> they make reference, and again, they make references in this to. There's a couple I, reveals which we won't spoil. Right, where you're like, okay, clearly this is from another movie. I don't know because there's history here. Because there there were so many of those, and at one point I like I was gonna nudge Tim and be like, I was not going to be that person. You were. I, I am that guy. Person. I know. I did it once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who's sitting there and be like, wait, was this in the second one yeah. during the third movie? I just kind of let it happen. Yeah. So, all right. So this movie is essentially we we open with Thomas. And the group trying Thomas to... Thomas and a tank engine that he is after. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas is after to stop with the dad. <laughs> Thomas is... They're chasing down a train. And they're mm-hmm. trying to capture... I forgot his friend's name. The uh, old dude? No. Oh, the, uh, the Ma- Mano? Mano. Yeah. They're trying to get Mano because Mano was kidnapped in the last movie. So trying to get Mano back. And they're working with this group. And Barry Pepper is leading this group of kids. And he realizes they, they rescue a bunch of kids. But Mano's not on the train. So mm-hmm. he decides him and a small group of people to go to what they assumed is called the last city. Right. Um, or they just say, they were like, oh, we heard rumors of a place yeah, called the last the city. city. And people where, were like, wicked is. Yeah. And people were like, yeah. there is no, the more, there, there there are cities. No cities. Like, so they realized there is a last city and it's got mm-hmm. these gigantic walls up to keep the zombie people out. And, and the pores. And the, and the, and the, the, por- and like, the pores are outside the walls trying <laughs> right? to get in, uh, which is probably the realest thing in that movie. Uh, pretty much. So all these rich people are living there dead. There's cars. There's people going to work. Buses. Bus system, train mm-hmm. system. There's a curfew. People are living their day-to-day lives as if the world isn't ending around them. Mm-hmm. But they're actively trying to find a cure. Right. And they think that killing these kids is the, is a cost to right. finding the cure and saving everyone. And they're trying to get money, continue getting funded um, to do this. So they end up having to break into the last, the last city to find Mano. Mm-hmm. And... Because for, for whatever reason, his body, they think, produces a different version of this antibody or they yeah. can extract, extract a from higher concentration of help. this. Yeah, so that's why he's there. Um, right. Yeah. So that's that's essentially the movie without spoiling too much of it. Oh, and also you meet uh, my man, Walton Goggins, shows up with the ugliest makeup and man. half a nose. I okay. love him. So, and this is another thing where I d- the whole thing, I just kind of released myself yeah into this movie first of all i hate doing this uh i am the person who was like oh i started watching that show you recommended i started on the new season should i go back yes absolutely yeah. go back start from the beginning yeah this was the first oh no hunger games i saw the second hunger games before the first one. Oh man uh, i still have not seen this the very last hunger games the last one is actually pretty good okay the fourth yeah the fourth one the second part of the last movie right this, anyway. was, this was the last story up into two parts gotcha so with this one i just kind of i was like i'm just gonna let this happen judge it as a movie yeah after the movie i'm going to have a ton of questions so then walter goggins walton goggins shows up, shows up. uh melty mcburn face yeah he looks disgusting. he is awful but, so, he, but he has his own like he, he's helping thomas <laughs> and his friends get into the city but he has he is, has but, his own motives for it. yeah and so we're not really sure and i was not really sure and i was like okay maybe he was part of the second movie nope. first movie no nope. so after the film when i'm just hanging out with all of us critics uh and just being like all right so you guys all know i did not see the first one yeah who was that guy everybody was like we have no idea yeah he just shows up he's like a, and i was like whoa, whoa they build this whole thing like he has this group of adults and he is this leader and nobody like there's no context of him in the earlier films and they're like Nope. Nope. He shows up. He's he's <laughs> like he's essentially leading the poor outside the building and they want their rights. They want 
protection. They don't protect the stuff they don't have. Right. They've got to fend for themselves, and he feels like they call them cranks. Yeah, the cranks or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's that's essentially the story. It's it's Thomas and his buddies trying to break in, trying to save save their friend. save their friend. And what is interesting is the goal is to save their friend, not caring about the rest of the world. No. Do they do they at this point in the context of the films know that? A, they are immune, and B, yes. that the adults essentially are dying out nation planet wide. Yes. Okay. It's not the adults. Like so, some anybody, of the some of the kids aren't immune. Oh, I thought but it, they're immune. Some of the adults are immune. Because like, like, the they structured when, it when in a city, there's some yeah. people wearing masks and people who aren't. Okay. So okay. When, it, when they show the city, it's that sort of like cattle call of people going mm-hmm. to work every day on the yeah, subway. Yeah. Some people have masks on, some people don't. Okay. So some people are immune, some people aren't. From what, from the way it was structured, maybe it was just because, again, this is my first one, and with a lot of young adult fiction, yeah. for whatever reason, <laughs> the kids are the, like, the next generation are the ones that are immune that then need to, you know. Now, yeah, some of the kids are sick because we, we okay. find out gotcha. one of his friends is sick, and that's part of the storyline. Right, right, Okay. Uh, and he says, like, you know, maybe part of the experiment was to see how a normal person dealt with being among, amongst a bunch of people who are immune, mm-hmm. which makes sense if you're trying to figure out if there's a cure or not. I was like, oh, that makes sense that they would do that. Yeah. Um, uh, there were not one, not two, but three people from Game of Thrones yeah. in this. And all three of them have been in all three? No. Littlefinger's okay. been in the second and third one. Okay. And same with uh, my boo, Natalie Emanuel. Mm-hmm. She was in the second one and very small. I forgot she was in it in this movie. Well, she showed up on screen. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. She's uh, in this. Mm-hmm. As soon as so she joy, as soon as she shows up, her full her full I, locks. I just ahead, look girl. at Tim and Tim was like, I now love this movie. I love this movie. <laughs> this is great. More she, of her on screen fighting or something. Uh, you mean more than like the three minutes? You know, it's yeah. fine. Uh, it's fine. Okay, so I mean, uh, wait, who else from Game of Thrones was on there? Uh, well, we had the the boy. What boy? He played Jojen. Jojen Reed. Oh, that's he right. He was the green right. seer. Yeah. Never mind. Yes. Littlefinger and then Missendi. Yeah. So Littlefinger, uh, the other part, Littlefinger is hunting them down. He's right. He's like committed. He is. He's committed to the cause. <laughs> <laughs> committed to the cause. So he, you know, he's the, he's the big bad in the film. And he does it well. Yeah. Mainly because, I mean, he just he, he has looks like so <laughs> like swarmy and he has kind of a rat face yeah. where everything like, is just. I'm going like, to double cross you at some point. Oh, a hundred percent. Uh, and then who was the dude with the crazy eyebrows? He was in Detroit. Not going to talk about him. Uh, that is a spoiler. Oh, that is right. a spoiler. Is it? Yes. Okay. It's a spoiler because you haven't seen other two movies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> never mind. Did you not even pick up that context in the film? I did. Oh, right. When they, when they first run into him? Okay, never mind then. Yeah, you got to edit that out. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm not Jesus, that's a spoiler. It's a huge spoiler for the film. I think some people who watch this spoiler. might not have seen Detroit. Those are two very different audiences. That is anyway, a huge spoiler. Uh, I apologize if anybody huge actually caught, picked up on that. Jeez. Um, so, the, with the general context of the film yeah. and everything, as a movie itself, yeah. my impressions of it were, it was solid. Yeah. The action scenes, and I pulled up, uh, so Wes Ball. Yeah. Man. That we, scene we, when that flaming car comes <laughs> flipping down the street, I was like, Like geez. 15 feet in front of <laughs> yeah. the actors. I, yeah. I'm not alone because we talked about it at the end of the movie. We are, sh- we were shocked that not that only Dylan O'Brien had a life changing incident on this film because yeah. 
he puts his actors in trouble. Like yeah, these, this stuff exploding and bricks, and it's all very practical effects. Yeah, that was the thing. It, it was, was a lot. There was not really any CGI like big moments. Right, like the no. stuff. It, it was very the ground train level. sequence was a big moment. So he has to, he did all three. Jeez, how bad are these wicked soldiers that are shooting people? They're like stormtroopers. Oh man. man. I was like, these guys are terrible shots. When you have uh, my, so my least favorite in any action movie, yeah. which again, I grew up with it. I love it. If I'm in a helicopter and there is a truck underneath me yeah. and I have four turrets on this helicopter and I always manage to shoot right alongside yeah. of them, like, come Run on. Right in front of them. Like, it, the, I hate that. There's one thing I, I really appreciated was the design of those soldiers with like those that like that was snake cool. eyes mask yeah. that looks kind of like a rib. Like it's kind of like a, a fencing mask that they wear. It's like yeah. all black. Uh, and that it was dope. And I was it like, made kind of menacing looking yeah. guy, like faceless drone, like like little human drones running around like shooting people. It was amazing. And they made sense. And, and when I sense. say that, I mean, if you know anybody, and I, I do know a bunch of nerds who have cosplayed as stormtroopers. Yeah. Those helmets are weird. Like yeah. they're just kind of like wide. If you put like your line of sight is really messed. Oh, up. Oh, th- they do not make sense. Maybe that explains why they're terrible shots. <laughs> Very well, could be it. Just explain it. Um, but with these ones, it makes sense. It is basically like a little shield. Yeah. That you just pull down. You have a couple like bandana things. Yeah. It was so that way. I, when, I like that design. When certain people. You know, again, like a very action movie cliche James Bond style, where they might pull somebody into a, a closet and then they come out wearing that thing. Yeah, this makes sense. The it clothes like, fit perfectly, yeah. right? And it's like, all right, this is pants, a jacket, and an, a face mask. Yeah. So yeah, I totally well, agree. It, it the was design is cool. And then, like you said, really good action sequences. Yeah. They they move the story along pretty well. It's mm-hmm. it may be a little difficult to follow if you've never seen the other two movies because uh, there, yeah. there are some surprises <laughs> and some some cameos and people who pop up from previous films and you're like oh i don't know how you fit into the story but apparently you're important you're very important Uh, and everybody has a lot of connection to you and you mean a lot and i was like i yeah i just kind of had to roll with it we'll have to talk about when we're done recording what we think the ending meant okay yeah yeah and it's kind of it's 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 for someone who's seen all three films Mm -hmm. it's a fitting ending to the trilogy nice i was yeah i I don't know how the books end i've never read the books i'm never going to read the books Uh, but i've seen the movies one of one of our other uh (laughs) colleagues uh aaron white of the feel and film podcast yeah has read all of them seen all of them he was real disappointed like he his i read his review and i was like ugh. like he he was just he was upset uh just because they changed a lot you and I had no context of, yeah, of that. No context as a film, as a as a film, film that's franchise. supposed to end mm-hmm. a story. It bookends the second movie well. Okay, it's got everything you kind of want, and it sort of ends in a way you're like, oh, that's that makes sense. All of this makes sense. So, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I will give my rating first since I had no context of this going into it. Uh, my official rating for Maze Runner: The Death Cure uh, is good. I mean, it was something where I, I had fun with it. Yes, I was totally confused, but I can own that. That is 100% my fault. 100% your fault. <laughs> I mean, it just, I did not have time. Stuff has been crazy. I wanted to watch those two. And I think that if I had watched even the first one. Definitely. Uh, the second one, because the second one, there's, you know, you get the context between like Giancarlo Esposito's character and his daughter and like, wow, that's important. Okay. So I, I still might go back and watch the first one to get more of the context because the ca- the characters were compelling enough in this one 
to make me want to go back. Yeah. So that, that was a success. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I give it a good. I enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I, I want to go back. I will, I will watch the first one and maybe it sounds like read about the second one. Read about it. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Uh, it's good. It's if you like these Maze Runner films, you're fine. You're not going to be this. Mm. Maybe you will be disappointed. <laughs> I was like, mm. uh, but it's, it was fun. It was, it was a fine action film. The action was heavy. Like it was, it's much more creative, oh, bigger yeah. action pieces than I was considering seeing in a film like this. I Same did with not me. expect like this big showdown at the end, um, but they did a good job with it. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kids run, and it, there's that weird, the thing that the YA stories do, which is like a bunch of kids in love with each other that I don't care about. So there's a, it's heavy on that at times. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. You're 14, bro. I don't care that you're falling <laughs> in love right now. And that was something that I did hear some not complaints about, but the the doctor, uh, the girl, the girl, uh, was it Christine or something like that? Something, like. Yeah. She, she is, it is not like Beverly Hills 90210 back in our day where everybody kind of maybe looks 17 and then you had the woman who was like 30. Yeah. She looks significantly older than the rest of them. But I, I get it. It is a movie. I can kind of yeah. you know, get past that. Whereas some of them, you're like, wait, all of them are supposed to be the same age. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Like, isn't that little kid Newt? Isn't he the same kid from your favorite movie? Which which favorite movie? Come on, man. We just talked about it. Look at this face. Uh huh. I want you to look up Newt. Look right. Up I, know, I mean, I know exactly. And who click it on is. his IMDb and see what movie pops up. Hmm. Um, but other thing, while you're looking that up, uh huh. You talk about like I just watched Stepsisters for some reason. I watched Why? that movie. These women are too old to be in college. It's, that was like the funniest part of it. Like, they all looked they were in their 30s playing like undergrad students <laughs> at a college. <laughs> Uh, I, I, yeah, it steps is on, is on Netflix. It's the ending is a mess. It's such a bad movie. Like I, <laughs> I can't believe I, when I text you guys, I was like, there's 50 minutes left was like, I thought the movie was almost over. And I was like, no, right. So he was like 50 <laughs> more minutes. And Damien told you, and he was like, your time's not worth it. <laughs> like it's really not worth it. I, uh, you know. Okay, so Newt was played by Thomas Brody Sangster. Oh, aka Jojen Reed. Okay, uh, from Game of Thrones. What else did you see? In there? Uh, Red Nose, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, okay. as a First Order officer. Okay, I don't recognize him from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keep scrolling. Maze Runner, Thunderbirds are a go. Maze Runner, Phineas and Herb, Wolf Hall, Phantom Halo, The Maze Runner, Game of Thrones, American Dad. Mm-hmm. Keep scrolling. Keep oh, keep scroll. What did you just see? Uh, what was he in? Love Ooh, actually. Love actually. <laughs> He's in love with that little black girl. That's him. He was the best part of that movie. That's him. That was the only. Part I'm surprised because of- he looks the same. I'm he really surprised does. you I, didn't. Notice it took that. me a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the best part of that. Was the only storyline of that movie that I liked. The rest okay. of it was garbage. Um, but yes, uh, he has dude. the best moment in that film when he is drumming and he, the she girl looks at, yeah. and he looks and they smile at each other and she looks away at some other boy and he just like, his face just standing here is like, oh, oh, that's what it is? Yeah. Okay. The best part to me is the airport scene with the kiss. That's, the, be- that's the best. Terrible. That's the best. He chases her down the airport. Again, like I said, it reminded me what happened to me in seventh grade. So of course. I'm partial, of course. I'm partial to it. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So two goods for us, two, yeah. Two goods from, for uh, Ma- Maze Runner: The Death Cure. Sorry, Aaron, we enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, again, like, and he has valid reasons for having some issues with it. He read. This the is books. why you don't read books, you guys. <laughs> exactly. Don't read them. Uh, <laughs> don't read here's them. A, here's a little deep cut inside knowledge. One of the original names for this podcast before I Maze Runner. 
uh, no, was Books Are For Nerds. Uh, was going no, to be the name yeah. of it, and then I was like, "Ah, a little, you little might too narrow." Say burn the books, just <laughs> right. keep it pushing. Uh, okay, cool. So, moving on from the two new movies to two new TV shows. Two new TV shows, right off the bat. So, new CW show, which I love, 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 love the CW shows. You love them all. Flash is amazing. I love um, Flash. I enjoy Flash. I, love, I, I wouldn't say it's an amazing. I love Flash. Show. Supergirl hits me in the feels. All really? the time, yes. All super all the time. Supergirl is amazing. <laughs> Ama- listen, everything doesn't have to be amazing. We can we can bring it uh-huh. down a notch. Supergirl I, is f- fun. I thoroughly enjoy every episode of Supergirl. There's a moment in each episode, similar to Flash, that gets me in the feels and makes me just so happy that. But you hated Love Actually, but yet Supergirl yeah, gets you in your feels. Love Actually is dumb. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow is just fun. It's Everybody fun. on that show, like they get to play dress up yeah. every week and do different Time stuff. Time travel. Like, everybody, like the behind the scenes stuff that I have watched of that, everybody's just seriously having fun. Yeah. Arrow, I kind of dropped off of. Arrow's dark. Um, Arrow's the darker of the, the show. Oh, for sure. Arrow's and that was, dark. I mean, that was the beginning. Without Arrow, we have none of it. We have none of that. Yeah. Arrow's dark. So this new show on the CW currently has no plans. Of incorporating into the CW DC universe, well, you know yet. they will. Yeah, they'll have to, especially with the critical reaction that this show is getting so far. Mm-hmm. So, the show is Black Lightning on the CW, uh, written by or created and written by uh, husband and wife couple Salim Akil and Mara Brock Akil. Mm-hmm. So, husband and wife team, black people writing a black show <laughs> will always have. A different voice and a different style. Listen, without knowing <laughs> what you said, watching the first episode, I could tell there were at least black people in the room when this was being written. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not just bringing up race and racial dynamics; it's how they approach it and part of those conversations that feel very real. Like when he gets Absolutely. when he gets pulled over, and he's ta- that conversation <sighs> with the cops is like so tense. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, that's a real conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and even, was, even his daughters even even also before we get into like what this story's about mm-hmm. the complexities of the different black women on the show yes is what was like okay there's black people in this room because they're not <laughs> just like black woman a and yeah. black it's like no the the ex-wife is different than the daughter who's mm-hmm. different than the other people in their show and they all have different viewpoints different ideas how dismissive his daughter was after the incident at Club 100 mm-hmm. was 100 percent real. Yeah, I was like, "Ooh, some somebody's around some teenagers." Because <laughs> they, <wrote, laughs> they wrote her dialogue. They're like, "There was a gunfight." You're like, uh, it "Was whatever?" They're yeah. like, "Do you not like what?" This yeah, is, this is serious. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into the show, a little bit of context. Yeah. Uh, so on the table uh, next to us, as some inspiration, the so Black Lightning. Uh, I dug out uh, one of my comics. Is, what issue was that? This is number four. Number four. Uh, so Black Lightning was DC's first black superhero. Mm-hmm. 1977, it was not their first black character. Uh, their first black character was Black Racer. Because, of course, this is the 70s, so it was like, yeah. uh, who's this character? Uh, he's black. What's his name? Uh, black Racer. <laughs> right. Black Racer is one of the most ridiculous characters. Mm-hmm. He's a black dude on skis uh, from New Genesis, part of the New Gods that Jack right. Kirby created. Right, the new Gods. Who Thanos. eventually uh, Thanos? Oof! <laughs> oh, then they'd be fighting words. Uh, Black Racer 
is kind of the the embodiment of of death uh, in the DC universe. He yeah. tracks down speedsters for the most part, but he is a black dude on skis. Yeah. So he came in 1971. Black Lightning was DC's first black superhero in 1977, written by Tony Isabella, a white guy, but drawn by Trevor Von Eden, who is a black guy. So again, yeah. at least they knew. <laughs> yeah, there, there was some context there. Yeah. Uh, Phil Lamar. Especially then. Especially then. When I talked to Phil Lamar, he talked about talking to um, Neil Adams, mm-hmm. legendary artist. When he wanted to make John Stewart, Green Lantern, <laughs> black and sent the pages to the colorist. And they were like, so are you sure about this color? We don't really. And he was like, yes. He was like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. So anyway, so Black Lightning, unlike a lot of DC characters, not a lot of like super rich backstory. Right. Issue number four that I have right here is part of a really small run mm-hmm. that lasted like a year. He would pop up on other things. He did some Justice Society of America stuff, yeah, some Justice League that. stuff. That's where I saw him. That's when I, that was my first introduction to him was in other groups, not in, like on his own. Yeah. So he only had his one series in 1977 to 1978 did not last very long. And then they were like, we like the character. I would just bring him another stuff. Mm-hmm. So the character is Jefferson Pierce, a former decathlete, gold medalist decathlete who in his original appearances, his power set was very loosely defined because this was 1977. Yeah. It was just King exposition. Right. It was like, if I turn my belt this way, I can reverse the polarity of every single character in these old comics talks about everything that they're doing and what their powers are. So his power set used to be kind of just a belt that he, yeah. they granted him electric powers. Then he became a metahuman, like everybody Man, in DC. Everybody else in DC universe. Yes. So, so yeah, it, there's not a rich backstory, which I, I almost like because that gives a CW and, you know, Mara and Salim free reign. They can really kind of do anything with this character. Right. And they have a blank slate. But what 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 I enjoy about the opening of when we when we meet this character on the show is that it's not an origin story. Yeah, he's been Black Lightning for years. He stepped away for nine years. Nine years, and now he's this situation with his family and his daughters and what's happening in the community is called him to be the Black Lightning again. And mm-hmm. that is crime is raised in their city. There's some gang running drugs or whatever. The one hundred. The one hundreds. Um, so his young daughter gets caught up with the boy there who tries to drag her into it. And then there's another gangster guy who sort of runs that group. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bigger gang member, right. drug guy, <laughs> who he thinks he thinks he, he, killed, thinks he killed Black Lightning, Lightning nine, years, nine ago. years ago. So he thinks he's dead. Mm-hmm. And so th- he's going to be the big bad, obviously. Yeah. And in that nine year span, Jefferson Pierce he's like a became the principal. Yeah, became the principal, school. completely turned around the school. The, has a deal with the drug dealers about not doing stuff on his campus. Which again, it is, is reality. Like if you watch Lean on Me, you know, about Joe Lewis uh, or Joe Clark, not Joe Lewis, Joe Clark, like there were, there were times and there are places in this country where it's like, you kind of got to play that gray area of like, listen. I know what you do. Yeah. I know you are a drug dealer. I know you have guns. I know you are a terrible person. Keep it away from my school, please. Yeah. Like, just can we, can this be a safe space? A safe case. space. Yeah. So there, there's some of that, but there's that scene that we talked about before we recorded where he meets up with the drug dealer and mm-hmm. they're both 
trying to enrich these children and you see i forgot the character's name but he's, lala lala so mm-hmm. lala is having this conversation with this young boy he's very aggressive with the kid uh, yeah <laughs> but his point is like don't be on your phone all the time like there's a time for jokes and games mm-hmm. and there's a time to be serious and when you're in school you need to be serious and he punishes the kid and makes him mop the floor and he grabs him up but his his motives and his actions are bad but <laughs> the point he's making is is the same point mm-hmm. that Jefferson Pierce tries to make with his students and his daughters. Um, so it was a fascinating dynamic, like seeing these two sides of the coin trying to achieve the same thing, but with different means. And and through this all, yeah. uh, again, talk about character actors. Uh, one of the people that, that pops up in this, uh, James Remar. Yes. <laughs> as Peter Gamby. That was interesting. And it, it was something where I guess just the press for this and the marketing for Black Lightning maybe not the greatest and you can you know because i think they just do not really know what to do with this especially because they said this was not going to connect with the cw shows as opposed to before all of the cw shows yeah, you started with you would have had black lightning show up on flash and then introduced legends or legends you know or something, something like yeah um i introduced in that way and then fed it so they didn't do any of that they were just yeah. like we're just gonna roll out this is a new show that's on this network but it's it's very black it's a very, it's a very a show that's centered on a black experience in America. Mm-hmm. This at the center of this story about a black superhero and his family and protecting his family. That isn't on any. No other show is doing that other than Luke Cage. Pretty much, no one else is doing. No one else is doing that. And what is crazy is, so where this takes place, uh, it takes place. You know, they call it Southside. Yeah, so yeah, it's called Southside. Uh, so generic in town. Well, in what do you think it's supposed to be? Chicago. Well, in the comic book world, Southside was also known as Suicide Slum. Yeah. Which is Metropolis. So he's, he's south of Metropolis. So, again, th- if they choose to, and they will at some point because it is a CW and they have incredible writers with the CW. Hey, this is incredible. I don't know if it's incredible. They have, I think the shows are fun. I think they're good at integrating each show. I don't think it's that, incredible. That takes right? an incredible talent to take four shows. Yes. Legends, Flash, Supergirl. Uh, Arrow, yeah, and write compelling stories that tie in. Again, the, I'm as a fan of these shows. Uh-huh. I don't think it's compelling. I think it's entertaining. And I think they can be fun. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Breaking Bad is compelling. I think The Wire okay. connection is so different, though. No, different. But I think when I think of compelling writing, mm-hmm. I think about that. I think, I think Black Mirror is compelling writing. Like Black Mirror is a show that you don't know what's happening until the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is what's happening. I think the CW shows are fun. I think they they are they're smart about how they integrate all their shows. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's compelling. I'm, I'm not like moved by the words. Oh, I and and I'm I not am, moved. You know? I'm not like oh my gosh, I can't believe they said this on the Flash. I'm um. What's compelling is their character development. I don't think it's necessarily, right. you know, the way they infuse, you know iris and, and her dad and wally into the right. show without making a big fuss that they're black on a show that you know mm-hmm. centers around flash but that's i think that's solid and those, but i don't think it's comp- it doesn't compel me in any way well the writing is also the writing i mean and this is no knock on it but the writing is is cw it's cheesy at the same time but it's purposely that way it, it exactly but they, i'm fine with it they know that audience with this show this is a, another reminder why why do the dc films struggle so much well when you can tell well, you know why 
Well, because they have tons of money and a tons of tons of influence. I and mean, that's not even it. It's, they don't have a plan. Like there's a plan oh. to CW shows. Yeah, Greg Ber- plan. Greg Berlanti. They've got a plan. Whether it's che- it's it's cheesy, mm-hmm. it's over the top, it's goofy, it's silly. There was a whole dance episode, they, musical episode they did. They <laughs> do awesome. weird flash forwards and Earth twos and mm-hmm. time travel. It's all of these sci-fi stuff, but they're connected. And they're committed to being a connected universe. Yep. And that's why it works. DC's not committed to connecting anything. And that's why it doesn't work. There's no yeah. plan, and that's why it doesn't work. Yep. Um, you can have all the money in the world. That's fine. But if, you, if there's no plan to connect any, any of it or make any of it make sense, then it's it's pointless. And I, just, I could not stop myself from thinking that while watching Black Lightning, being like, this is a really solid show. It's a solid show. The characters are developed. And we, watch, we just watched the pilot. Yeah. The characters are developed. They they feel grounded. They feel real. When you see Jefferson Pierce, feel like, like a real person. hesitantly going back into his power set because he made a promise yeah. to not do that again, and like he struggles with that. Like you feel this within the first like thirty minutes of the show. Yeah, he he's a compelling character. Um, the actor is compelling actor. He's he does a good job, and I think they setting this not making it an origin story. Mm-hmm. Like the rest Super of the CW shows, it was smart. Yeah. And what was cool is when you saw flashback videos of him from nine years yeah. ago. He's got a different outfit on. And his suit looks different, and yeah. it looks pretty similar to like some of the new 52 stuff. But it was like, that was just smart. Smart. It's like a smart was- way to tell this story. Because then you you give your main character some complexities because he's dealing with the past that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And he's dealing with the demons of the past and promises that he's made and his life is different than it was nine years ago and trying to find his footing as a superhero. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Chris Williams yeah. plays black lightning. Uh, it was pretty funny. People were like, like, Oh yeah. You know, this guy, they're putting up clips of him from like living single. Yeah. I remember him from an episode of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman mm-hmm. where he played Baron Sunday and he was a voodoo guy. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like black guy voodoo. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he he is solid. Like yeah. I am really excited to see where this goes. I unlike the films, I have faith in these shows because even though yes, we know the writing is cheesy, the writing still makes sense. Yeah, like the writing, it makes the, sense. The world are connected; they make sense. Their world building is make all makes sense. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, but I think Crest does a good job of playing a very sort of measured character. Mm-hmm. Because he he's not super cartoony, and I'm sure the the villains would be car- like you know Lala's a little cartoonish, and these guys are a little over the top. Well, he's, and the he, main he doesn't have to be the main villain, uh, Tobias Whale, yeah, who in the comic book uh, is a <laughs> Tobias Whale. He he's a giant guy. He has kind of gray skin. Mm-hmm. His henchmen are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> One of them is the Cyclotronic Man. Oh yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, it was. It was real dumb. Yeah. But in this one, it just like... He's shorter guys, albino. Yeah, he has an albino African-American. She's somebody with a so, harpoon. harpoon. Which, of course, is like... Tobias Well. Tobias Well. Of course. A harpoon. Good, good job. A harpoon in the shoulder. <laughs> Didn't he... But it wasn't just the harpoons that he like reeled him in as he was talking oh, to him, which looked yeah. painful. And be- right before that, he dropped a guy in a tank full of piranhas. Yep. Um, so we're going to get a lot of fish <laughs> oh, yeah. deaths and, and, and fish fishermen stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. But, it, but I, I am 100% on board with it. Uh, I really enjoyed this first episode. It was good. It was a good pilot. Yeah. And At they, some point, they'll integrate other stuff. Th- they will. Probably maybe end of season one, maybe going into season two. Even if it is a mention, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that or definitely is going to happen. Or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially like Southside, 
of Metropolis. Like you could throw in some stuff and still make it feel grounded mm-hmm. in a, in a comic book world. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, totally on board. Uh, Black lightning on the CW. Yeah. So, so far it gets a good, I it's mean, a I'm good, not, it's yeah. a good pilot. It's, it's, an, I enjoyed it. It's fun. Watch. It comes on right. Flash the lead in. So it follows up right after the flash. Right. So if you, if you're watching the flash, you will, uh, you'll get it. Sounds good. Uh, cool. So now we're going to talk about the alias alienist. You're going to talk about And when I, talk, when I say we, I mean. I'm going to talk about my obsession with listening to stories about serial killers because that's what I've been doing recently. Uh, I, then you will actually like the alienist. I, I, yes, because I recently listened to a podcast about the Atlanta murders. Mm. Um, Wayne Williams convicted for killing a bunch of kids in Atlanta. Right. It's kind of crazy because I didn't realize that the episode I'm on now, is, I just finished episode What three. episode? What podcast? Uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta murders. Oh, okay. That's what it's called. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but I didn't realize that there's some people who think Wayne Williams didn't do it. Hmm. There's, I didn't, uh, I didn't again, know that was a thing. Then again, there are people who also think a lot of historical without, things. Without ruining your podcast talking about this show. But right. like, yeah, when you listen to it and you get to that point, and you're like, oh, this really? is why people, yeah, this is why people Interesting. Because he doesn't, he didn't go to jail for murdering kids. He went to jail for murder of two adults and a, Attached the, the the these missing boys mm-hmm. to him. As Elliot Ness did not go to jail for racketeering or murder. But, or was, but that's different. It was that's you know, way tax different. evasion. That's way different. But because there was evidence that Elliot Ness was doing these things, they just couldn't pin it to him. Right. There's no evidence that this person was doing these actual murders. They just assumed he. Was. I'm not saying he wasn't the guy. Right. But when you look at the evidence, like there was no real evidence, but there was actual fear in that neighborhood, and they wanted to make people feel safe. There was curfews. Kids couldn't be out past a certain amount of time, and then all of a sudden they found the guy, and it's over. Yeah, mm. you should if you are a fan of like the podcast on the left, last podcast on the left, or any other the, murder like, po- the true crime. Please check out Atlanta Murder. It is okay. beyond fascinating. Nice, yeah. Uh, so with the Alienist, it is on TNT. Uh, they actually sent me the first couple episodes ahead of its release. Uh, again, I tried to watch it and talk about it for last week. Yeah. Stuff got crazy. So you I, watched the first two. Yeah. So I watched the first two episodes, which a lot of times when, you know, here's some inside baseball, when networks, you know, will send us something early like this, mm-hmm. like with Nightfall, when yeah. I did that for History Channel, the season is done. They could send the whole thing, yeah. but they're like, to limit spoilers, to limit this and this, Smart. here's just the first two mm-hmm. to kind of wet your beak. So this takes place in New York, 1896. Ooh. Uh, you have Luke Evans, Daniel Brühl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love I, Daniel Brühl. He is. You, you talk about compelling. There's something about when Daniel Brühl is on screen, you are just captivated. He was really good in that racing movie with Chris Hemsworth. What was that? Uh, was that with the, directed by Ron Howard. Yeah, that was a, people haven't uh, even seen that movie. That was a great like. Fantastic. That was really good. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, I went in with zero expectation and walked out like, man, that was. Oh, that's. I have to look that yeah. up. That's going about. Not Turbo. Um, he said Turbo. <laughs> it's not Turbo Team from the 80s where that kid turned into a car. Ooh. You remember that cartoon? Yeah. yeah. That. that transformation, it reminded me a lot of American Wolf in London when he transformed into a car. That's the only thing I could think of. Wow. Uh, Rush. 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 Turbo. No, not the same, same thing. thing. Same thing. Not at all. Anyway, so The Alienist, <laughs> New York, 1896. The show opened, and I took a screenshot of it because I, I like the, the kind of context it gives yeah. you right at the beginning. It says... In the late or in the 19th century, persons suffering from mental illness were thought to be alienated from their own true natures. Experts who studied them 
therefore were known as alienists. That makes sense. I had no idea about that because like when this show first started, you know, dropping the trailers a few months ago, it looked like a true crime show, yeah. you know, like uh, Ripper Street, right. you know, style. It actually goes into some history and puts in context some people and places. Mm-hmm. Even in these first two episodes, it was kind of interesting. So Daniel Bruhl plays uh, Dr. Laszlo Chrysler. He is the alienist. Okay. His buddy, Luke Evans, John Moore, is an illustrator. So he will go to the crime scenes and kind of draw them out. This is obviously before camera technology when they're like, all right, go take but pictures people, of this thing. People sold those. Yeah. They sold them and make money off them all the time. These, these illustrators would show up to these crime scenes and make money off it back in the 1800s. For him, like Luke Evans, his character is interesting because he is super squeamish. Mm-hmm. Like he goes to these places and does this thing, but does not really like it. As opposed to Daniel Bruhl, who has a cold clinical approach to it. Mm-hmm. Like Daniel Bruhl brings to everything. Yeah. So at one point, Daniel Brule is talking to somebody in prison, and this dude is racked with syphilis and just has like boils and everything. And Daniel Brule is just staring him in the face. Yeah. And he was like, open the gate. And Luke Evans starts freaking out. Oh, you don't know your name. He's like, just open it. Yeah. Goes in there, is face to face with this guy, just having a conversation. It was like. So what, what is the story about? So the story is about, I mean, again, only in these two episodes, mm-hmm. there, it, it opens with a murder mm-hmm. of, of a small boy who is dressed like a girl. He was wearing a white dress and was brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it For TNT, it does not get super graphic, uh, but it, it gets graphic in the language more than in the visuals. Mm-hmm. So a boy is murdered. They bring in Dr. Chrysler to kind of figure out if it is connected to some of the work that he does. Luke Evans is just brought in because Chrysler calls him and was like, hey, we needed to draw this thing. And he was like, okay. So he draws the body, brings it to Chrysler. And as, as he's evaluating it, he is like, this is just a picture. He was like, I need you to tell me about it. I need you to describe it. Starts describing it. So it essentially is just a murder mystery. They're trying to figure out if this is connected to other things in the past. If so, how is it connected? Is that person for maybe some other crimes. So the first the first two episodes are they trying to solve the same murder? Yes. Okay. So the, uh, the murder is going to be and that the, is something that is the thing that anchors the whole episode. Yeah. Okay. And and the that is kind of going to yeah, carry through is it is going to be that true crime detective style story. Uh the chief detective uh what is his name? Uh I can't remember the actor's name. But like all three of them both Arch Chrysler, John Moore, and the chief of police all went to Harvard together. So they are all friends. They don't really necessarily like each other. Right. Because <laughs> it is just like the chief of police does stuff by the book. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is what we're doing. No, you can't have this file right. so you can study it on your own. Just like Sherlock. Right. Right, or, right, right, right. <laughs> you right, know. Right, right. Uh, Dakota Fanning is in this. Yes. I forgot she was in that. Yeah. She plays Sarah Howard, who is the secretary. Mm-hmm. Or they never really define what exactly her role she, is she but worked she, for she works for the no she works for the police department okay so she is kind of a, our in because she wants to help daniel Bruhl. so right. she is the one that kind of sneaks out some documents that is not a spoiler you see it coming <laughs> what i liked about this show the pacing was good in these first two episodes 
the script and characters felt good. Mm-hmm. One thing that was weird though, it is claustrophobic. This is New York in 1896, but it feels like this set is small. Like every time they are outside, there's this layer of fog mm-hmm. around them, which granted kind of like sets the mood for this atmospheric thing, but it just makes it feel small. There are a couple of scenes. There's a scene where they go to the opera house and right. this huge grandiose thing. But a lot of the interpersonal stuff, a lot of the outdoor stuff just feels claustrophobic. And I'm interested to see if that is what they plan on carrying forward for the rest of the season. It just, it felt very, very different. Right. So. Oh, maybe. But I mean, I think that you are going to enjoy this. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. It is The pacing, I did say, I mean, the pacing is good, but there are times when I was like, okay. Like, just because... I have seen Ripper Street and Sherlock and all the other ones. I'm like, okay, like, come on, we can roll through this. But for true crime fans, for fans of the Sherlock Ripper Street genre, this is right up the alley. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I like it. Uh, So thanks to TNT for (laughs) sending that to me. I'm on board. Like, this is a show that is episodic. And that means I will have to set my DVR for it, Mm -hmm. which is weird because we're in the Netflix culture. We're just like... I just want to watch all of it. I mean, yeah, that's a different model. They'll have to change the model at some point. Yeah. At some point. And, they, and yeah. I'm interested to see if Luke Evans, this sounds weird, but if he can hold his own, because Daniel Bruhl is a force in, in the, Luke, in the show. Luke Evans can. I'm not, I'm not. Well, I mean like, cause his character is so meek and different, which is funny. Luke Evans, like <laughs> he is a pretty muscular, like bigger guy. You know, and he is all squeamish around like blood in this yeah. show. So it is like, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so do you know if it's uh, just a one season run? Just like so far that in the they, context they of they filmed like, 10 episodes. Yeah. I think they're going to kind of wait and see as of right now. I mean, I, I meant like <clears throat> in the context of the show, right? Mm-hmm. You could do a second season of Alienists with different people. Oh, you know what I mean? So if, I if think you, they could carry this forward, but if you, so you're talking about Daniel Brühl mm-hmm. and Luke Evans and Dakota Fanning deciding to be on a network show which is time consuming right so you're you're, yeah. able, you're able to get people for something like electric dreams because it's yeah they, they do or, one episode yeah, or, black mirror. or black mirror or even mm-hmm. like sherlock right where you yeah. hey we're gonna shoot this real quick and be done with it or or um true detective right mm-hmm. and which seems to be the model like we're gonna get yeah. you for 10 episodes we'll knock it out and we can get on about our business mm-hmm. versus like hey you're gonna be on the good wife we're gonna need your life for, for five, nine months yeah, for <laughs> nine months out the year which is difficult mm-hmm. when, we, when we think about you know you look, look at the cw shows you don't see these people in other stuff because that's they, they film five days a week it's time consuming yeah so i don't know if you <clears throat> if you're pinning down these legitimate actors for yeah. that long of a time I mean, so that I is true. So, yeah, as of right now, I know that they filmed and they are airing 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Where they go from that, not quite yeah. sure. Um, before we get off television, two quick things that I saw that I really, really, really Ooh. enjoyed. All right. Uh, the murder, the, Vers- the Versace murder thing that's on. It looked interesting. It was fun. Like, it's now, a solid. That one is, a, that one is not killer. episodic. It is just. Yeah. It's three. How many episodes? I don't know. So it's the same people who did the OJ thing. So I don't know how many episodes. Oh, okay. It is. But it opens with his murder. Okay. So we open with the murder. I've been to that house. And it, yeah, I've been to the house too. Yeah. And they're looking at trying to find the guy who did mm-hmm. it. Um, and the, the kid who plays him is great. He's hmm. really good. So yeah, there, there's a bit of a backstory with Versace and his family and his, 
His sister played by Penelope Cruz. And yeah, it's it's solid. It's real what, solid. What is interesting is real solid. What, one one thing it. I questioned when it was getting made and they started doing yeah. press. So Versace, the Versace family, yeah. All Italian. Uh-huh. Why is all the major cast in this movie Latin? Who else is going to get to play it? Like that still is so crazy to me. Every time they do a Greek epic movie like Troy or whatever, there are Italian actors, people. But like <laughs> I'm not saying they're not, but what Italian actor are you putting in this movie in this show to sell it to people? I'm sure it's still a, it's still a product. I get what you're saying, yeah. but this is still a product you're trying to sell. It was just kind of weird because like it would be one thing if uh, who's Hands of Stone guy uh, who plays yeah. Versace, um, Edgar Martinez. Edgar Martinez. If it was Edgar just Ramirez, him, sorry, Edgar Ramirez. Yeah. If it was just one, it was like all right, cool. <laughs> Edgar Martinez <laughs> is a baseball, baseball player. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, but, but then you have like Ricky Martin, yeah. and Penelope Cruz, and you're yeah. like. These are all Latin. <laughs> but Edgar Ramirez is someone who commands your attention when you see his face. Oh, on for the sure. Mat. He is and again. So is Penelope Cruz. Well, and I, oof, think, I yes. think that's, I mean, it's a product you're trying to sell. Yeah. When yeah. we talk about them whitewashing films, oftentimes that's, they, feel, they look at it as a product they're trying to sell. They're not mm-hmm. looking at casting. Let me find a Muslim person to cast, even though there's Muslim actors and actresses out there. Who right. Play the role. <laughs> We're just going to, I need to throw, I could cast an Asian actress, but let me put, Scarlett Johansson in this movie. Yeah. But that's the thing that, you know, for the sure. product. Uh, so with Versace, how many episodes did you watch? Only one. I only watched only the first one. one. Oh, okay. Only okay. the first one, which was, I was like, let me set my DVR. This is. Okay. Nice. There's something they nailed with that OJ that they get. They somehow, they're doing another the one bi- with Tupac and Biggie in, in February. I saw the trailer for that. I'm oh. only in because of these other two things that I like. Now, okay. now I'm in. I'm, now I'll watch this and see, mm, what are you talking Because after All Eyes on Me from last year I, mean, I was like a Tupac bio I think this is focusing more on the Rampart division of LAPD because okay. I read this book it's called um, Labyrinth and it's all about hmm. what happened between both murders and LAPD's involvement it is fascinating okay. and scary and yeah. really scary in a, in a lot of different ways because they give context to like here's this division here's stuff that's happened here's some things that happened and it, it opens with a scene we see in the movie Crash where these two undercover police officers get in a shootout and one dies. Mm. But much, much like we had the riots in 92 in LA right. after Rodney King, mm-hmm. we have OJ mm-hmm. and the Tupac and Biggie deaths were four or five years after that. And what you yeah. didn't want to have exposed is that hmm. there's we undercurrent here. <laughs> we can't trust these police. Right. And the city was still recovering. I mean, Tupac's death was four, five years after the riots. Yeah. They so, so part of that is uncovering the fact that like it's still a cesspool in here, even though we we've claimed to clean things out. We brought mm-hmm. in a new police commissioner. It's even worse than before. Like no one wanted that out. Still unsolved. Still unsolved. But like, the, how does the, 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 <laughs> those are the undercurrents of the yeah. story that are very compelling, more so than two rappers feuding and dying. Right. Is that involvement? So I'm hoping the show covers some of that. Okay. Um, but I'm in because I enjoyed the OJ one and they have I a solid track record. Thoroughly in, am enjoying Versace after the first episode. The other show Versace, was Versace. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the other show is Counterpart, which is on Stars. The first episode right. airs today, uh, mm-hmm. the day we're recording, which is Sunday. Um, Stars is free this weekend to help pump that promo. We yeah. post the promo pump, on IMDb. Pump, pump it up. They're they're putting in a, a lot of promo for it, but it's fun. It's a fun sci-fi story about J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons and the uh, sometime during the the Cold War, 
doing some experimentation they created another world 30 years ago <laughs> oops <laughs> and it's like a mirror world but things are different and so it's, everybody has goatees like in the mirror world on star trek yeah it's like fringe had a mirror world and yeah. flash has a bunch of different earths it's, it's the <laughs> yeah. same concept and there's a hit going on in the world that we live in the fictional world that we live mm-hmm. in and jk simmons guy comes over to try to thwart it and he, he needs to know more about the other J.K. Simmons and what he does and his hmm. world and yeah. See, when, it's they, when they do show, when they do things like that where it is different worlds, yeah, then they can kind of play with temporal dynamics, yeah. Because normally, if you're time traveling, you cannot interact yeah. with your former self. Yeah, it's a different world, so yeah. they're parallel. So, so, so the J.K. That Simmons that we, that we the story opens with is a very meek guy, and he's walking around doing his day to day, and he he wants to be he wants to do more in his job. He feels like he can. His boss pretty much like, bro, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. It ain't happening for <laughs> you. And then, but then they have to call him in for this very important mission, and then they tell him, "All right, man, you don't know what's happening, but mm-hmm. this is kind of the deal." And very few people know about this. No one outside this building knows about it. But here's what's happening. And so his mind is blown. And this hit woman's running around. And they're trying to catch her. So it's... Is the woman trying to kill the alternate version of J.K. Simmons? Or or is it just... She has a hit list. Oh, okay. We don't know who's on it. Mm-hmm. There's a list. And she's doing the Kill Bill style going down her list. But there's, nice. you know, I think it's going to lead to more to like politics on both worlds. And okay. someone may be trying to in something or start something or change something so okay. yeah, and he gets they get like passports to come over like 10 day yeah it's so crazy somewhere like almost stargate yeah where it's like hey I'm, I'm here for 10 days just you know relax hmm. but but not everyone has access so for jk sims he works at the at the place um i forgot what they, what they call that place that he works at but he he's such a low-level guy that he has no idea what they do because he says that in his thing he's like <laughs> i still don't know what we do here i have no idea which is any any sort of government job he has no idea what's uh, actually that <laughs> that so, that happens frequently so he has no idea what's happening and he's frustrated by it and you, you realize there's people in that building who do know what's happening mm. and so depending on your access you know kind of know what's going on so yeah counterpart is fun okay. if, if you enjoy sci-fi and other worlds and world building it's worth a watch i i really enjoy i watched first episode yesterday and i thought it was pretty uh pretty solid okay pretty solid stuff. uh i have been binging the magicians gosh <laughs> on yeah. netflix i listen i watched the librarians, <laughs> you watch so the I'm, librarians. Not I'm not gonna complain <laughs> the magicians is it's a lot it is a lot but it's it is exactly what i love about sci-fi yeah it's just like old school sci-fi shows the writing is cheesy the effects are pretty good. It just, it is a fun show. Yeah, just silly. Like this episode, so, we go to a circus and someone has magic here and they're doing something weird. God, it, this yes. episode, we go back in time. This episode, we go to a town that's stuck in the sixties and we don't know why. Like the last episode of the magician, uh, the librarians I watched, they were at mm-hmm. a town when there were no accidents. <laughs> okay, but there was this thing there that was like it was a fairy essentially who was mm. like keeping the town safe. Um. And they realize what's happening, but they've kept the fairy hostage and the fairy. The fa- librarians has been going on for what, like five seasons? Yeah, it's funny. They had, like that, like, that show has been, been going on for a, minute, a long time. But they've had, they, they sort of like revamped it. Oh, okay. It used to be Noah Wiley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did, him, a, they did a movie. movie. They did a couple movies. They did two. Movies. They did two movies. So he was like the gotcha. librarian. It was very Indiana Jones ish. Yeah. And they rebranded that they've added some other cast members and it's more like a team of people who show up and they, they all have, they all have their special skills and they're solving these unsolvable crimes. And the library picks up on these anomalies and then much like 
Legends of Tomorrow. They have and to they go sh- investigate. They show up and they investigate and they gotcha. figure out what's happening. It's all done in the context of 52 minutes of television. Sometimes there's two-parters. Ooh. Um, there's a lot of history there and love and family and yeah. So It reminds me of another show that I just saw a new trailer for or yeah. a new thing for it while I was watching Black Lightning. Supernatural. Oh, I feel like forever. that show has been on for like 12 seasons. It's been on. Supernatural's been on forever. Like what? <laughs> it's but every time I'm like well, I've never seen an episode not of it, one it, it has a heavy fan base uh huge and every I time see, I see it, a trailer uh, I'm like they look the same as they did when I first saw the trailer when it first came out and I was like good for those guys just yeah. getting checks yeah cool good stuff all right so for this episode we talked about Den of Thieves right. which Tim gave a good I gave a, a bad but it was close to a good it just it was a little bit bloated that Maze Runner <laughs> the Death Cure we both gave a good mm-hmm. uh, it was nice kind of cap to this franchise mm-hmm. uh it was for me it was a solid individual movie uh talked about black lightning totally on board for black lightning excited for it when you get diverse people of color in the writer's room not just in the writer's room but creating these shows it matters it think, changes I, the dynamic it's not even i mean to me it's more than a dynamic i think you're giving these characters depth and yeah. warmth and experience more than just you're a, a black superhero mm-hmm. right you're seeing a black father you're seeing someone who cares for people you're seeing someone in the middle of a separation from his wife and you're seeing a daughter who's growing up and trying to separate from her family she's not just like the sassy black girl on the phone or the right. black friend she's experiencing these things and she's tough that his daughters are tough yeah <laughs> tough mm-hmm. they are tough and that's the cool thing i like about they are tough yep yeah Cool. Uh, the Alienist. Uh, I'm on board for it. Also, I mean, it. so it comes out. This episode oh, drops on it? Wednesday. Uh, Monday, I think. Oh, let me send so, my VR for that. Monday. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, so, it's going to be aired Monday nights? I think so. Uh, I mean, there's nothing. This Monday night football's not on, so I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's January going into February, yeah. so. And they were only doing 10 episodes. They can knock it out pretty quick. Mm. Uh, I enjoy it so far. Interested to see where the writing takes it. Yeah. Because these, any of these crime shows, they live or die by the writing. You can have great visuals. You can have great mechanics. But if the script is bad or the story. So, yeah, I'm on board with it. Uh, what else do you have coming up? Um, that is it. I'm patiently waiting to see Black Panther at some point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all of us are. <laughs> all of us are waiting for that. Because that's when, you know, not just that I'm a fan of the film, but I think that's when our movie season will pick up because it's followed Mm -hmm. by annihilation and followed by a wrinkle in time yeah yeah january january already had some huge hits like unexpected hits what was paddington 2 i mean that's not i think they pushed it but i I wasn't like paddington holds a 100 percent rating on rotten tomatoes love it with over a hundred critic scores like that is people love that movie madness i love i grew up loving paddington yeah i had a paddington blanket yeah um yeah, there's not much. But January's been kind of okay. a dull month. Um, kind of some man movies, some okay movies, some fun stuff. Just pushing through to get to February. Just getting to February. So other than that, yeah, just chilling, man. Just trying to relax. Nice. And where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, they can find me on the peoplescriticblog.com. They can find me on People's Critic on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Cool. Uh, as for upcoming things for this show. That's right. So... Next weekend, or rather this coming weekend, uh, I will be up in Vancouver, Canada again. What are those dates? Uh, the 26th and 27th is when I will be there. Okay. Uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Sorry. <laughs> B. Oof. 
Be clear. Vancouver, British Columbia, covering the Vancouver Short Film Fest for the second year in a row. Where do they, they hold it at? Uh, Van City Theater, like right downtown. Is the movie theater? Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, well, yeah, the independent movie it's theater. Like in like a mall looking thing? No. No? No, just by itself. Oh, uh, see, I've been to a different theater then. You probably went to, I know the one that you were yeah. thinking of that is also downtown in like this huge yeah, building. Yep, yep, yep. I've yeah, been there. Van City Theater is just small, one screen. Uh, I mean, it seats 300 people. Like it is huge, but really cool art center there. Uh, so I'll be covering the Vancouver Short Film Festival. Super excited. Last year, had an amazing time, met some incredible filmmakers and actors, interviewed some people. So that is what I will be doing coming up. Uh, so that will be on next week's episode. Uh, and for the podcast, like I said, in the top of the show, follow it on social, social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you go to aboutreview.com, find sh- full show notes and links to the guests. You can also support the show by clicking the support tab at the top of the page. If you go to aboutreview.threadless.com, you can buy a t-shirt and also support the page. That would be fantastic. YouTube.com slash aboutreview for the interview sections. One thing, actually, this is a little oh. advanced thing. Oh, advanced. Starting at episode 100, oh. uh, I'm going to be releasing the episode, the regular episodes on YouTube as well. So that way, just because a lot of people, it is an easier way to stream it. Also, if you are at home, you can just pull up YouTube and the regular episodes will be there, on there as well as the about to interview. Mm-hmm. So that will be on episode 100. All right. Uh, so for this episode, episode 92 uh of about to review which is is crazy uh i have been joined by tim the people's critic and i have been your host that guy named john thank you to damian randall for the audio editing services of ill-mannered media the curly nerd podcast and the from houston with love podcast i've been your host that guy named john and we'll see you next time let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.